All right. Well, hey, good morning again. What a great way to start the new year by being in God's house here in the Lord's Word. Uh, excited for you to be here and start off this new year with us. We're starting a brand new sermon series called New Year, New You. And the idea behind the series is not so much, hey, let's come up with some ways to uh, improve yourself and to be a better version of you. That's not really the aim. When we talk about new you, in my mind, what I'm thinking about is the, the verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so what I want to talk about in this series is really this idea of finding full life in 2021, living in our new identity in Christ, who he's called us to be. And you know what? I remember a year ago, starting off 2020, uh, I'm one of those who I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I love like a clean slate and a fresh start and thinking about a new year. And, and I typically have some pretty big expectations and high hopes for every year. I think it's going to be the best year ever. I remember in 2020, I was like, this is going to be the best year of my life. <laughs> who knew where it was going, right? Um, man, it, it started out great, but wow, that took a turn uh, about a quarter of the way in. So who knows what 2021 holds? I hope it's going to be the best year ever for myself, for my family, for you personally, for, uh, for this church. But who knows what the Lord has in store for us this year? But my hope, my hope really was to start off the year strong, to begin this year strong, starting with a really good sermon. And I have to include this. This is my one dig. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm an Ohio boy. His name is Sermon. So I had to throw that in there, okay? Uh, if I have any voice problems today, it's because I've been screaming too loud, you know, over the last couple of days. Um, that's it for that. We'll move right on along, all right? Um, I had to suffer last year, y'all, okay? So, <laughs> um, man, I wanted to start off the year strong. And, you know, my expectation for this year, for 2021, it's, it's really, it's, it's still the same, I think, as it is every year, that God is going to be good, God is going to be faithful, and that I will personally grow into the person that God wants me to be over the course of this year, regardless of what he brings. And so I wanna ask you all, what, what, what kind of hopes and dreams and expectations do you have for 2021? Maybe you haven't even thought about this. Maybe you're like, ah, I just, I wanna get through it. I wanna get by, I, wanna, I want things to go well. Um, but I, I just wanna ask this question, what kind of hopes and expectations do you have for this year? I think whether you make resolutions or think through these things, I think every one of us enters into a new year and we think, man, I hope this is the best year of my life. I hope this is the best year ever. And I would argue this, as we start off this year, I would argue that if this is gonna be a great year for us, if it's gonna be the best year ever for you, it, it, it cannot be about you. This year cannot be about you. If this is gonna be the best year of my life, it can't be about me. It's gotta be about more than accomplishments or hitting big milestones. It's gotta be about more than like crossing items off of our bucket list. Man, it, it, because if, if we make this year and we make our lives in general about us, we're gonna lose. And I go back to the words that we heard in our scripture reading this morning in Luke chapter nine. Jesus said, if you, if you try to save your life, if you try to make your life all about you and you try to hold on to it, you're gonna lose it. We're gonna be disappointed. If we try to control things and make things about us, we're gonna probably be disappointed in a lot of ways this year. But if we, if we lose our life for the sake of Christ and others, if we give it away, if we seek to make this year not about us, but about Christ and about others, 
man, we're going to win. We're going to win out. And, you know, sometimes I, and I don't do a great job of this, but sometimes I try to come up with a word or a phrase when I start out a new year to kind of help guide me in that next year. I'm not always good with, with this or at least even like sticking with it through the whole year. You know, last year, I remember talking about this verse in John 3.30, which was, I must decrease and he must increase. And I feel like that, that guiding thought and verse was really challenged in my life last year. Um, but, but I want to I key in on my thoughts or my phrase for this year, and it's really the title of the sermon today. It's, I die daily. I die daily. And I know that's really kind of a depressing thought, like that's your guiding thought for this year is I die daily. And I hope you'll track with me. And I'm going back to Luke chapter nine that we, we heard Jake read from this morning. Luke chapter nine, I wanna focus in on verses 23 and 24. And let me give you kind of the context for what was going on here. The gospel of Luke that we're, we're reading from here. The gospel of Luke is one of four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are all eyewitness accounts of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ while he was here on earth. And what we find in Luke chapter nine is that Jesus was right in the middle of his ministry. And he, he had sent out his disciples. We see earlier in this chapter, he sent out his disciples to preach the gospel. Uh, he had done this miraculous work of feeding 5,000 people with a handful of fish and loaves of bread. People, governmental leaders, religious leaders, just the common people, everyone was questioning, who is this man, Jesus? And so Jesus gets with his, his followers, his disciples, and he gets pretty deep and personal with them. And he talks about his future and their future. And he asks them, okay, what do, what do people say? Who do people say I am? And he gets even more personal and says, who do you say that I am? And this kind of sets the context for where we're at in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And Jesus said in verse 23, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And this is just a passage that has just kind of resonated with me over the last couple of weeks. And it's kind of, again, for me, a guiding kind of thought and verse of Scripture from Jesus for this new year. And I'm kind of bringing it to you all to consider this morning as well. So, you know, Jesus, as he's talking here. He, he says there's a couple things that you got to do to be a follower of, of Christ. He says, first, you got to confess me, and then you've got to come after me. You've got to confess me, and then you've got to come after me. Back in verse 20, we heard in the reading, Jesus said to him, who do you say that I am? And you remember Peter, who was the brash one who was always the first to speak, he responded and he said, you're the Christ of, of God. And we see in a parallel passage, it won't be on the screen, but back, back in Matthew 16, it says that the response of Peter was, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. And if you remember, Jesus said, this, you're right, Peter. You're, you, are, you are spot on. And on this profession of faith, I'm going to build my church. It's on my identity, the person of Christ. And so we see this confession from Peter. He says, you're the Christ. I believe that you are God in the flesh. You are the Messiah, the Christ of God. And so there's an incredible confession or profession that Peter makes. And my point this morning here is that, you know, confession is great. Confession is necessary. If we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to first make a confession that we believe that Jesus is God. 
But confession is, is not enough. It's not enough. Confession is necessary, but it's not enough because Jesus, again, going back to Luke chapter nine, Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, he's gotta deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And so if we're gonna be followers of Jesus this year, we gotta first confess him, but then we've gotta come after him. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend some time talking about this, this passage and how Jesus said that we are to come after him, how we're to pursue Jesus with our life, lives. And he says really three really basic things. And I want to just take a couple minutes to think about these. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself. Would you all say that with me? Deny himself. He says the very first thing, deny yourself. Now, all this really, what he's saying here is that life is not about me. Life is not about me. It's about Christ. It's about, it's about others. It's not about me. This, doesn't, this does not mean don't take care of yourself, don't love yourself, uh, it, don't ignore yourself. It's, it's, it means it's not first and foremost about you. It's about others. It's about Christ. So he says, deny yourself. Put others first. And y'all, this, this is not human nature for us, right? And I think, you know, if you were breathing and alive in 2020, I think one of the things that we saw in 2020 is that we as human beings and we in particular as Americans, we don't do this very well. We don't deny ourselves very well. We live for ourselves and we're pretty selfish. And, and we, uh, man, we saw all through 2020 the struggle of of wanting our way and, and, and arguments and all these things taking place because we have a hard time putting others first and considering others and loving others first because we as, again, sinners, as human beings, we tend to put ourselves first and everything revolves around us. But Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to come after me, we're going to have to flip the script here. We're going to have to deny yourself. And then he says, the second phrase, and these all kind of flow together. He says, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now, when Jesus said this to his disciples, they fully understood what he was talking about. When, they said, when he said to take up your cross. Because this you know, cross was an instrument of death. It was an instrument of torture and death. And so like for us in the you know, 21st century, it's like take up your cross. This, this doesn't mean like, hey, put your gold cross on your chain around your neck and sport that proudly. That's not, what, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about taking up our cross, an instrument of death. It's this idea of not just putting others first, but it was this idea of dying to ourselves, putting ourselves second. So deny yourself. He's got to deny himself take up his cross, and really this, this last and third, it's really just one word, it's the word daily. And this is the thing that so has resonated with me, because it's easy for me to say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not as selfish as I used to be, I put God first in things as much as I can, I try to take up my cross, but this one word makes this whole idea so difficult, doesn't it? Deny himself and take up his cross Daily. Like, this isn't a one-time thing. This isn't a Sunday thing. This is an every single day thing. Deny himself and take up his cross 
daily. And I think this is the, 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 the convicting and challenging thing for me. When I look at 2021, I think if I'm going to, um, if I'm going to have the best year of my life, if I'm going to be the man that God wants me to be, it's going to be because I day in and day out, I deny myself and I take up my cross and I die to myself and I put Christ and I put others first. Because it's easy for us to, to deny ourselves and take up our cross every Sunday. It's easier, it's not easy. It's easier to do that once a week or a couple times a month. But man, to do that every single day, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is why I don't like to use, and this is, again, I'm just picky when it comes to words. This is why I don't love to use the word Christian because it's, to become a Christian means like, oh, I prayed at prayer at some point or I go to church. It's very broad, I'm American. But when you say I'm a Christ follower, which is the term I prefer to use because this, this indicates that I follow Christ with my life, that day in and day out my desire, I don't always pull it off, I fail when I do this often, but my desire, my aim, the aim of my life is to take up my cross, deny myself, and to do it day in and day out. So he says, if, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about, and this may be a new term for some of you, he wasn't talking about some form of like reclusive asceticism. Okay, that may not be a term you've heard before. Asceticism is the idea of becoming like a hermit or re retreating from society or, you know, going into seclusion or like, you know, into a monastery or maybe you're depriving yourself of, of all kinds of things. This isn't what Jesus was, was talking about here. He wasn't saying, hey, just forget about yourself. Don't care about yourself. Don't take care of yourself. Deprive yourself. Harm yourself. Put others for, that's not what he was talking about. It wasn't some form of asceticism. What Jesus was talking about here was, was laying down my will in my way. This is the way I think about it. This means to lay down my will in other words, what I want, not what I want. And it's okay to want stuff, but, but to die to self means to lay down my will. In other words, Lord, your, your will, not mine, be done. I'm putting your will above mine. So it means to lay down our, our will and our way. Our way is, 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 is how we live or how we try to attain the things that we want, our will. And so to die to self doesn't mean that we don't have desires and wants and hopes and dreams. It means, first and foremost, that I'm going to lay those down. I'm going to lay those down. And so maybe our hopes and our expectations for 2021, maybe we have big, high hopes. But we say, God, I don't know what this year brings. And so I'm willing to lay down my will in my way, whatever this year brings, Man, bring it, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm offering my life to you. And I want to read you a few verses here. John chapter 12. Jesus, I think this is such an incredible picture. It's an agricultural picture. Jesus says in John 12, verse 23, Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. In other words, Jesus, in the context here, he's talking about preparing everybody for his, his time when he would offer his life on the cross and he says, verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears 
much fruit. And so what Jesus was saying, he was talking about himself here. He's saying, unless I die, unless a grain of wheat is comparing himself to like a grain of wheat, it's got to die in order to produce life, in order to produce fruit. Jesus talking about himself. He's he's saying, I'm going to die. But through my death, man, I'm going to bring all kinds of fruit. It's going to lead to eternal life. But then he kind of transitions in verse 25 to, to the context is whoever. Verse 25, but whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so what Jesus, I love this picture. He, he compares our lives and his life to this grain of wheat that if it's going to produce fruit, it's got to die first. And Jesus, if he was going to provide eternal life for all humankind, he had to first die. And in our lives, if we're going to really produce fruit that God wants to produce through our lives, it's going to require a death. It's going to require us day by day dying to ourselves. It's going to require day by day us laying down our will and our way, denying ourselves and taking up our cross daily. Galatians 2.20. This was kind of my life verse after I came to Christ um, late in my high school years. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, he says, I'm still living, I'm still alive, living in this body of flesh. He says, but the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, he says, I've died with Christ and I'm still living, but it's Christ living in and through me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and through me. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31. This is, this is where I get this phrase. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Paul, in the midst of this letters, letter says, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. And some other translations say, I die daily. I, die, I lay my life down every single day. Day. This isn't just a one-time thing. It's every single day. So this idea of dying to self. Let me, let me put in a quick plug. You know, when we, when we do the act of baptism, it is a picture of dying to self. That's why I'm so excited about next week and getting to baptize. Because every time we baptize someone, it's somebody picturing the fact that they have, they have died to self. They have confessed faith in Christ. And they are now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, they have been raised to walk in newness of life. They are now a new creation. So baptism is an incredible picture of this death that we have encountered, that we've died to self. And so again, if you're interested in in doing this, maybe you put your faith in Jesus at some point, but have never followed him in believer's baptism. This is an incredible opportunity to start off 2021 by being baptized. So I wanna encourage you to, to go to Friendship Wired. But let me, let me give you a modern day illustration of this, this idea of, of dying to self. I was, I was reading through this news post from Inc., Inc. Magazine, if you're familiar with Inc., I-N-C, period. Um, and they had this post, it was kind of clickbait, it caused me to kind of click on it because I was like, hmm, I'm intrigued. It, it was talking about the, the most uh, important quality for happy relationships, 
I was like, huh, I'm interested. I want to see what this is. Like, what, what, what would you all think that is? You don't have to, to answer out loud, but what do you think the most important quality for like happy relationships is, whether it's in your home, workplace, in life in general, what do you think the most important quality is? I was like, hmm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. What would Inc. Magazine say, based on all these studies, I think, and you can Google this post, it's like 174 studies led to this one quality. Here's what the definition, here's how, here, how they defined it, or at least they reported it. Psychological flexibility. Psychological flexibility. Think about that for a second. I had to, I had to think about that. Psycho- okay, when I think about psychological, I'm like, okay, flexibility. What does it mean to be psychologically flexible? And I thought, okay, this is an interesting post at the end of 2020. Okay, this is probably appropriate because 2020 revealed that many of us are not very flexible, right? We're pretty rigid. Um, I want to read you a definition. This was according to, in, from the post, according to the British Psychological Society's Research Digest blog. So important people, all right? Defined psychological flexibility as this. A psychological, we're going to put this up on the screen. A psychologically flexible person is characterized by a set of attitudes and skills. They are generally open to and accepting of experiences, whether they are good or bad. They try to be mindfully aware of the present moment. They experience difficult thoughts without ruminating on them. Okay, they don't get stuck on them. They seek to maintain a broader perspective when faced with a challenge. Okay, moving on. It says this. They continue to pursue important goals despite setbacks, and they maintain contact with deeper values, no matter how stressful a day might be. So, for example, they said, a parent confronted with a screaming child who holds the value of being a kind, compassionate parent is able to bear this in mind when choosing how to react to the child. Okay, so I don't know if you're, you're, you're following all of this. I don't know if you would say, eh, that's, that's me. I am very psychologically flexible. I mean, what's your, what's your self-evaluation? Are you in that boat? Are you flexible? I found this to be very true because one of the mantras I had in 2020 for our church, if you remember, was regardless what happens, let's be flexible, be agile, and be Christ-like in our attitudes because who knows what's around the corner? Who knows what's coming next? So to be flexible is this idea of you know, being able to adapt and adjust even when things are difficult. I, like, Would you agree? I think this is probably pretty spot on when it comes to family relationships, relationships in the workplace, because you can't control everything. So can you adapt? Are you flexible? Can you roll with the punches? And so this makes sense that this would be one of the most important, if not the most important quality for a happy relationship. All right, so you're like, well, what does this have to do with anything that you're talking about this morning? Well, it, 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 I wouldn't say that flexibility is a spiritual virtue, Okay, we don't see that listed, you know, in the scriptures, you know, as a fruit of the spirit, right? But I would, I would say that it's a byproduct of dying to self, of laying our lives down, of laying down our will and our way. Because it's, it's really hard to be flexible. It's really hard to flex and adapt and adjust when life is about my will and my way, right? It's really difficult to adjust to things. But when it's not about me, when it's not about my will and my way, when I've, said, when I've died to self and I'm able to lay down my will and my way, 
when difficult things or circumstances or people come my way, I can adjust because I'm going, Lord, you're in control. And I'm okay, I, I, I can trust you. Your will, not mine. And so I think it's kind of a byproduct or an outflow of dying to self. Let me give you a kind of a physical example. Uh, I feel like I have to say this at least once every couple months just to uh, legit- legitimize myself. I am 45 years old, all right? I'm not a child up here speaking, though I may look like one. Uh, I'm 45 years old, and one of the thing that's, things that's really important to me as I grow older is, is just um, being physically active and, and just fit, being, just being, you know, one of the things as I grow older, the, as you, know, you get in your 20s and 30s and 40s, one of the things that's m- most important to me when it comes to being active is flexibility and mobility. All right, so um, gone are the days. Obviously, I'm not a bodybuilder up here, right? You know what I'm saying? But one of the most important things to me is flexibility and mobility. That, that doesn't mean that I'm always like doing hot yoga or anything like that, even though I do once in a while do some type of stuff. Um, but, but flexibility and mobility, because like, here's the reality. Maybe if you're over the age of like 25, you're realizing that the older you get, the less flexible your body becomes, right? We tend to gravitate towards becoming more stiff and rigid. I guess, is that we're working towards rigor mortis? Is that where that word (laughs) comes from? Like we become less and we don't become more flexible. This is true physically. This is true like spiritually and relationally in all these ways, like being flexible and mobile when it comes to like our physical bodies means I can, I can stretch, I can, I can adapt, I can move like with, with no matter what comes my way. And I like that physically, but man, it's so important like spiritually and, and just in our maturity as, as followers of Jesus. And for us to be flexible requires us to die to self day in and day out, because I don't know about y'all, but when I roll out of bed, I roll out of bed very selfish from the very start. And it's all about me and my will and my way. And unless I, I intentionally deny myself and take up my cross every single day, I will roll out of bed and go into my day with life being all about my will and my way. As a pastor, it's, it's, just as much reality for me as anybody. And so really the big idea, the bottom line this morning, if I'm gonna sum it up, is this. To truly live, I must daily die. To truly live, I must daily die. Man, if I'm gonna have the kind of year that I want, if you're gonna have the kind of year you want, it's not gonna be like, I'm gonna die every once in a while. I'm gonna die when I'm under conviction by the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be, I die daily, every single day. So I want to give you just some practical application to this, two questions to answer to help you to die daily. These are questions that I'm still working through that I would encourage you to work through. If, you want to, if you're going to die daily, here's two questions to think through and answer. Number one is this, how will I practically die every day? How will I practically die every single day? So I'm going to kind of give you a part of the answer here, okay? Uh, it, it must include God's word, listening prayer, and obedience. These are, if you're gonna die daily, like if you're gonna lay down your will and your way every single day, it's gotta include these elements. God's word, it's gotta include listening prayer. When I say that, I mean this kind of prayer that says, God, what, what is your will? What do you want for me? What do you want for me today? 
and then obedience. So it's listening, it's praying, but it's listening to God and then, and then walking in obedience. And so I want to ask you practically, how are you going? And maybe you have this answered already. Maybe this is something that you have settled that you, you do every single day. You're good about time with the Lord, uh, reading the Bible, praying. Maybe you're like 365 days out of the year, you are on it. But if I'm being honest, even as a pastor, man, I could improve in this area big time. And so this is a focus for me. How am I going to die every single day? And so I want to give you some examples for me, how I'm, how I'm working through this. Uh, for me, one of the things I asked for, actually kind of at the top of my list that I asked for for, for Christmas, and it's one of the things as an adult, I'm like, I don't really need a lot of stuff, but I, I was I was. I was kind of marinating on this scripture and I was like, God, how am I going to every single day make it like the number one priority of my life that I'm going to spend time with you and hear from you and obey you every single day and not be a hit and miss follower. And so one of the things I asked for was a journal. Um, And I've gone through seasons, you know, back and forth in my life where I've been good at journaling and writing and times where I've not been very good. And I've been in a season of not being very good at this for probably a few years. All right. And so I said, "Okay, Lord, I want to get a journal, a nice leather journal um, with some refillable like pages. And I want to I want to I'm going to journal in here every single day of 2021. And so that was my goal. And so my wife and daughter kind of tag teamed and got me this journal and the refills. And, and one of the things we did is, is I said, there's a room in our house. I've never had an extra room that had like no purpose for it in my house, but we have one here. Um, it served as kind of an extra bedroom while Jake and Corey were hanging out with us um, for, for my older son um, while they t- took his bedroom. But it's now become kind of my study or our reading room. And so I spent our, our break between Christmas and New Year's getting this thing ready, getting all my books in place and getting this quiet place where I could spend time with the Lord every single day Um, and just having a place and having a plan. Uh, So I would encourage you, how are you going to do, how are you going to die every single day? One of the things I did, I want to show you this picture is uh, I took this verse, Luke 9, 23, um, that showed up on ESV.org or on their, their social media uh, Luke 9:23, and uh, I found this. I mean, it just came up over the last few weeks, and uh, I printed it out. And I have this thing about printing out. You know, it's like an eight by eight photo in a uh, 12 by 12 frame, and it's it's on the wall. And my family, I don't think, even knew that this was the purpose of this, but I have it in the wall in that room to remind me, God, I want to die every single day to myself. I'm going to take up my cross today. And this is, this is not just a place for us to read. It's a, a place to, 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 to die to ourselves, to spend with the Lord. So I want to ask you, do you have a place and a time and a plan? I would encourage you to go to, to the Bible app and find a Bible reading plan and, and to just make this part of, of what you do day in and day out. So, so let me ask you a practical question. Like think of something that you do on a daily basis that you wouldn't dream of skipping. All right, maybe it's brushing your teeth. I hope that's one of the things, all right? <laughs> brushing your teeth. You wouldn't dare leave the house without brushing your teeth. Maybe it's brushing your hair, all right? Maybe it's putting on your makeup. Um, maybe it's making your bed, you know? Uh, and you may laugh at me. This is actually one of the things in my life, and it hasn't been, okay, for the majority of my life, but over the last few years, this is, a, this is one of my things. I, I, I can't, I've, 
I don't feel like I can leave my room unless I've made my bed. And I wanna show you a quick video. Maybe you've seen this video. It happened a few years ago, I watched this. It was a commencement speech um, by a US Navy Admiral named M William McRaven. And he did this commencement speech at I think the University of Texas in 2014. And it was called Make Your Bed. Then he wrote a little book based on that. So I wanna show you this quick minute clip because I think it is, is good. So check it out. If you wanna change the world, start off by making your bed. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride and it will encourage you to do another task and another and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, that you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. If you want. I'm excited to go home and take a nap now. <laughs> um, this is so good. If you never heard this speech, um, just Google Make Your Bed. He, there's a little book that he wrote as well. Um, yeah, and my kids now are like, oh, that's why you make, make us make our bed. Darn you, William McRaven. Um, but I love this, and, and I think it's just, it's, it's a helpful thought. I'm not trying to, I'm not here to encourage you to make your bed, although it's a great habit. Um, I think it's so true in, in life, but in, in particular, in the Christian life. Like thinking, you know, I have people who are like, man, I'm struggling in my life and my walk, and I'm discouraged, and all these things. And so like, what, can you counsel me? Can you give me some help? Here, here's the first thing, the smallest, simplest, and yet the most foundational, biggest, most important thing in our lives and our walk with Christ is this thing of dying to self every single day and giving some time to the Lord. If you spend, I don't know, two minutes brushing your teeth, double or triple that at least, um, or more, and start small if you don't do this, every single day, not just making your bed, but spending time with the Lord and laying your life down, like rolling out of bed, spending time with the Lord saying, God, this day is yours. And so I wanna hear from you. I wanna to listen to you. I wanna walk in obedience to you today and then going into your day. So no matter what that day brings, good, bad, or ugly, man, at least at the end of the day, man, I've, I've listened to the Lord. I've tried to follow him and I've given him control of my life. I've laid my life down. So the first question, how will I practically die every day? That's an important question I think you should wrestle with if you haven't when it comes to this year. Question number two, last question here is, what do I need to die to this year? What do I need to die to this year? And so what I, what I mean by this, I'm gonna bring up a, a biblical term from older translations. It was actually came, I, I came from the old King James version of the Bible, the word mortify. I don't know if you ever use this word mortify. When you think of the word mortify, a lot of times we use it in 2021, like, oh, I'm mortified. Like, I'm so embarrassed that I want to die, right? That's, that's kind of, we think of that context. The word mortify really means just to put to death, to put to death. And so when I ask this question in a spiritual sense, what do I need to die to this year? The idea is, is, is about killing off sin in our life. So the question to wrestle with is, what do I need to specifically die to this year in my own life? What, what sinful habits or, or, or things in my life do I need to kill off? 
by the power of Christ, by his Holy Spirit in my life, what sin do I need to die to this year? What habits do I have? Maybe it's anger. Maybe, maybe it's lust. Maybe it's just selfishness or pride. Uh, what, I don't know what it is. What, what do I need to die to this year? What do I need to mortify in my life? You know that word mortify. Let me, let me just read this kind of definition from dictionary.com. It says, in a literal sense, when a part of the body mortifies, it undergoes tissue death the death of a localized area of the body, such as due to a lack of blood supply to that part. Okay, so in modern terms, technically we would, we would think of like gangrene or this, you know, when the tissue, you know, when, when the, 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 the blood flow to a certain part of your body is cut off and the tissue in that part dies, it usually leads to amputation, what happens, but it's, it's this killing off of part of your body and, and this idea of mortifying sin in our life, of killing off sin is what are the, ha- the habits or the, the sinful behaviors in my life that keep coming up over and over and over? What do I need to kill off in my life? What, needs to, what do I need to die to in my life this year? In Romans 8 verse 13, Paul said, for if you live according to the flesh, to the desires of your body and your flesh, he says, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death or mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. Colossians 3.5, again he says, put to death or mortify, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which, which is idolatry. There's this theme throughout Scripture of killing off sin in our life. And it's not something we do in our own power or by doing more good stuff. Man, it comes by the power of Christ through his Holy Spirit at work in our life as we lay our life down before him. And so the question that I think would help us to wrestle with this year is what do I need to die to? Like, what is the thing that keeps creeping up? What is the thing that keeps you from having good relationships? What is the thing that keeps you from really pleasing God or feeling like, man, you're, you're, you're in a place where you're experiencing fruitfulness in your life? What is it in my life that keeps creeping up over and over and over and over? Maybe you already know what it is. Maybe it's already come to the surface. What do I need to die to this year? So the two questions that I wanna ask you to consider and I want to give you just a moment here as, as Andrew kind of comes up here. I want to ask you to bow your heads for, for a minute with me. And I want to ask you to have a, a moment or a really just a minute of, of kind of prayer and response right where you are at to just ask and consider these two questions in your life. And maybe you already know the answer. Maybe you've already got them down cold. But I want to ask you to, to, to lay your life before the Lord this morning your will and your way and to ask him to help you answer these two questions. Realizing that to truly live, we must daily die. So how, how will I practically die every day this year? And what do I need to die to this year?
And Lord, this morning, your people have heard from me, but my greatest desire is that they would hear from you, that they would hear your still, small voice. I speak for all of us when I say that I want this to be the best year of, of my life, of our lives, of your church's life. And yet, Lord, we, we are a selfish people. We are sinful people. We need your help. We need your guidance. We need your power. We need your spirit. And so would you help each of us in our individual lives? Would you help us? Would you answer these questions for us? We would practically die every single day of this year. And Lord, would you reveal to every single one of us the things that we need to die to, the things that may be holding us back, the things that glorify you, the things that you want to kill in our life. God, we give you permission. More than that, we ask that you would do the work that only you could do. We could never mortify sin in our life. We need you to do that. We need your help. And so we lay our, our will and our way, way before you this morning. We lay them down. And God, I pray for every single person in this room and every person watching or listening online, every person that's part of your church. Lord, I pray that you would um, have your will and your way in our lives this year. That this year wouldn't be about us, but that it would be about you and your kingdom. That it would be about others around us, that we could serve we could give them the good news, we could serve their physical needs, that most of all, we'd point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that, God, you would have victory in our lives and in your church this year. We pray in Jesus' mighty name.